So I'm super, super excited to uh, share with you guys what's been on my heart for the past um, really a year. God's really been dealing with me um, about this topic, and uh, I'm also going to drink a lot of water because I'm still kind of coughing, and I got a lot of mucus. You guys don't want to know that, but there you go. Um, Woo! So... This is the perfect setup for me. It was such a perfect service, and it, it's, I'm going to pray and declare that it's still going to be. Um, from everything, from the, the worship to Sandra and her laughing, I was like, yes, yes, because I, honestly, it stirred so much up in me, and having her just like drunk on Holy Spirit, <laughs> Oh my goodness, it made me so happy, so happy. And we need that. We need to loosen up and we need to be reminded who we are and who lives in us. Why do we have to, you know, mope around and, oh yeah, Jesus is awesome. And, you know, we should be excited. And like Sandra, woo! That should be us every single day. We should be excited because he who lives in us is greater than he who is in the world. And what we have, it's amazing. So, um, yeah, just everything, the setups, Holy Spirit is so amazing, oh my goodness, and um, when I speak, um, I, the hardest thing I have, I struggle with is, God, how do I open, because once I go, I'm, I'm gone, but, um, so how do I open, and uh, when I was asking, uh, Holy Spirit said, um, edify my body, edify my body, tell them who they are, tell them that they're amazing, Tell them that they're awesome. So you're amazing. And you're awesome. And when I say that, I bet most of you, that just rolls off your back. No big deal. Yeah, cool. But, and some of you have a really hard time um, accepting that thought of, I am amazing and I am awesome. And if that is you, then good. Don't you dare walk out the store, because this is hopefully for you. Um, <laughs> Uh, because the cool thing is, was I struggled with that thought my whole life of um, just trying to see who I really am. And because the world and even Christians around us, it's like if we say, oh, I believe I'm amazing, yeah, then it's like, oh, you're prideful. You have um, vain or, you know, whatever. But it's not. And what I said a few weeks ago that God really spoke to me about is when we declare that over ourselves, it's not that we're trying to be some high and mighty person, but we're just bringing us up to the standard that God created us to be in, all right? So we're created in God's image, and God's image is amazing. God's image is awesome. He is awesome, and we're created in his image. So um, am I too short? Is this going to work? I'm going to do this. There we go. That might help. (laughs) Um, so, um, if you have a hard time accepting that statement of saying that I am awesome, which the definitions were really cool that, um, awesome means extremely impressive or, um, respect or warm approval. So God has warm approval over you. You're extremely impressive to him. And he also calls us his masterpiece. And what great masterpiece does he put, you know, like that? a masterpiece is his best work, which I'm going to talk about in a little bit. But what masterpiece does he put in, yes, that's my best piece of work. And then just, eh. no, we're his best work. So um, for us to try and truly believe, to understand who we are, we have to understand the concept of um, of this, that who we are, who God is, that we really are amazing. And if we struggle with that, um, something that God really, really has been dealing with me too, that doubt is sin. And that's really painful because I doubt a lot and he's working with me. But so when I start doubting on different things of if he's going to do this or if, if I am really truly what he says in his Bible, when I doubt that, it's sin. And I need to repent of it and just, I'm sorry, Jesus, for believing a false, you know, something false that's not true. So believing is believing, accepting as true without doubting. Um, and if we have unbelief in our hearts, 
unbelief really, really hinders our life. It hinders our relationship. It hinders our prayers. Um, so I really want to talk about, before I get into it, uh, I want to talk about um, some of the lies that we believe and uh, how to just reprogram our minds, which is really, really cool. Uh, so um, the truth that I want to talk about is, is who we are and who God is, and then how to pray from that aspect of our identity. But um, so let me think for a second here. Make sure I don't miss anything. All right, so I was listening to Bob Hamp um, a few weeks ago. Who knows who Bob Hamp is? He's amazing. If you don't know him, please tell me. I'm going to read a, a thing of him and uh, um, ask me to send you the link for this um, podcast because it blew my mind away. All right. Um, so... He's talking about the nervous system in our body and how the nervous system is connected to our experiences. So I want to talk about our experiences because when we have doubt and we have unbelief, um, lots of times it comes from um, like our whole life experience, from when we're babies and, and infants to toddlers to um, teens and, and on up. And our experiences, it shape our belief systems. And um, even though our experiences may be this, um, you know, here, we just have a little perspective of it from this angle. And so just seeing our experience through one perspective, it really hinders um, and, and it just forms our own belief system in us, if that makes sense. And even if we're unaware of it, it's um, just like internally, uh, subconsciously there. And there's a lot of things that are subconsciously in us that uh, we don't know about. And Jesus really, really likes to bring those up. Um, I know that from experience, and it's painful, and I'm, you know, oh, I didn't even know that was in me, Jesus, I promise. But he does, and he's, you know, and with me, it's all the time. It's like, hey, okay, you're, you're doing good, so let's bring this little piece up. All right, you see this, Joy? This is a lie. It needs to go. See this? All right, boop. All right, here's the truth. This is the truth. Okay. And this, <laughs> he does this to me all the time, and it's, it's painful, but it's so helpful. Oh, my goodness. So... All right, so Bob Hamp talks about the nervous system, and I want to go through this, and it's going to take a minute, but it's so cool, guys. So please listen, um, and then please um, tell me to send the podcast to you because it's really awesome. So um, he talks about the three characters in Romans 6, 7, 8, and the ninth chapter describes our flesh. So um, the first character is our old nature or our old self, our old man. Um, this is also the sin that Christ died for. Our second uh, nature or characteristic is our flesh. And this is the container. Um, I feel so weird behind this thing. I'm not used to it. Um, it's the container that our body lives in. Um, and it's also the container that our nervous system is in, which is where we're going. All right, so I'm actually going to read a lot of this, but I, tr well, I will try to enunciate and make my voice very interesting so you follow. All right, and if, if you guys get bored, please tell me, and I'll use an accent or whatever it takes, okay? I promise. You're so wonderful. You're awesome. Awesome. All right. Um, the nervous system is the part of the body that feeds you back information about your experiences. Who's in charge of your experience? Satan is the little G, the God of this world. He's working around us to program our experience to deceive us. Your nervous system communicates to you your experience. Your flesh contains a system that tells you information, and it can lie to you. Okay? So that goes on to the third character, which is our new nature. Now what happens in salvation is the old man is crucified and it's buried in Romans 6. And sometimes we have a hard time with that and we say, well, I don't feel crucified and buried. So we have a lot of that doubt going on. Well, here's where the ner nervous system comes into play. 
The nervous system has spent many years programming your, by your old nature. So the programming of your nervous system doesn't go away simply because the old nature goes away. If you give your computer away without wiping the brain, you are just giving somebody your old programming. What happens is, just as we give our body to a new nature, the body still has to be reprogrammed. So in salvation, the old nature is crucified and buried, but the new nature is when the Spirit of God is born inside of us. And it is designed to start working its way out in fear and trembling from the inside, reprogramming or renewing our mind, like Romans 12.2. Um, um, reprogramming the nervous system to transform us from the identity level through our belief in the way we act, think, feel, what we're capable of, and how we live in relationship to other people. Does that make sense? You with me? Okay. So that's the idea of the nervous system, and our old flesh is now dead and buried in the grave, no more, okay? And our new nature has come inside, and now it is being reprogrammed, um, which in Romans 12:2, it's not being transformed by the, you know, renewed mind. It's not a now, it is forever on. So it's being renewed constantly, daily, being renewed by the I've just messed it up, but you know what I mean. Okay, so <laughs> being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, all right, so this is the cool part. It's, uh, Bob Ham talks about this parable, and he says, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to an amputee. And that is not to be said with poor taste or anything disrespecting amputees, okay? Not at all, but just hear me out, because this is so cool. So if you or someone you know has a part of their body that has been amputated, you'll discover across the board without exception that those people experience what is called phantom limb syndrome. It is where the part of your body is missing, but yet you still feel it. So like I don't have a hand, but I still feel like it's there. Okay, across the board, they all feel like this. Now, um, the man Bob Hamp uses as an example here uh, is in his class, and he, um, two years prior to this, he was um, from the knee down um, amputated. So he didn't have, actually, right foot. He didn't have a right foot anymore. So, um, and he also said that, yeah, for the past two years, which for two years, it's been gone. For two years, my foot has never stopped itching but he doesn't have a right foot anymore, but it's still itching. Weird, right? You guys are so quiet. There we go, okay, we're good. Making sure there's no sneezing. All right. Um, so now onto the old nature. When the old nature is dead and buried and the new nature comes, um, our nervous system must be reprogrammed so that it doesn't send us signals consistent with our old self, but it does send us signals connected and uh, consistent with our new self, which is who we are now. Not the old, but the new. This is who we are. So years ago, <coughs> um, years ago, what the doctors would do to treat it with this man and all the other amputees is that if the foot itched, they would give them Benadryl to stop the itching. If the foot was in pain, they would give them Tylenol, but they didn't have a foot, so it's just weird. But okay, so that's what they used to do. But medical professionals found that treating the symptom only was a temporary success, um, but it just maintained the lie over time. Is this making sense? Okay, good. Um, the brain continued to believe that the non-existent body part was still there because the medicine made it better and then worse, better and then worse, better and then worse, okay? So this is what happens to us when we try to wrestle our old flesh to the ground. Um, it's already dead. It's already in the ground. It's already buried. There's a big dirt pile over it that says, do not resurrect, but... <laughs> we wrestle with it, although it's there. Um, but the thing is, we wrestle with it in our mind. So 
Um, it's like we resurrect our old nature in our mind even though it's still gone. So we believe it's alive and we uh, give those thoughts power, which causes us again to wrestle more with our old flesh, even though it's like we're wrestling a ghost because it's not there. And it causes our nervous system to still believe that our old nature is alive. Interesting, huh? This is really cool stuff. You guys need to listen to this podcast because I was blown away. I, anything of Bob Hamp is just, you're going to think, and it's really cool. So, what is the solution? Fascinating. Okay, so uh, the solution has amazing application for us. Um, so say I lost my leg from the knee down. Um, what they do now, if it's itching or if I still feel it or whatever, is that um, so there's nerves connected all the way down uh, to my foot. And so if I was severed from the knee down, um, what the nerve here it would have been the nerve middle because it's the middle of the nerve. Um, but now, since it's no longer there, that is now the nerve ending, okay? Um, so what they do now is they stimulate it with however they stimulate it, porcupines or whatever. Um, <laughs> I don't know. They stimulate it. Uh, so they stimulate it um, to cause the brain to recognize that um, there is something new here, okay? Something is gone and something now is new. So it reprograms your brain to realize, okay, something is gone and now there is something new here. Does that make sense? Okay. So, <coughs> stimulating the new part reprograms the brain to tell, to tell us um, that there's something new there. I'm getting ahead of myself. Um, it gets our focus off of what is not there anymore, and it changes our focus to focus the brain on what is new. So, when we're saved, people say, go to church, read your Bible, pray, which are really good things, do those. But, you don't have to. Okay, <laughs> it's really quiet. You don't have to do those things, all right? But, but, don't walk out the door now, okay? But, the Bible contains the living word of God. If we use it to stimulate what's new and begin to renew our mind on what's new and not on what was there in the past, it stimulates the nerves in our mind to think differently, just like the amputee. So, when our old flesh is gone, we stimulate our mind, all right, that there's something new there and the, the old is gone and it's no longer to be seen, all right? It's gone. So cool, so cool. All right, um, so I don't have to pray, but when I pray, I connect to the source of life. I commune with the person who made me and remade me. It exercises the muscles to remind me that I am a new creation. When I go to church or I get with other believers to worship, the spirit man inside of me is stimulated. It's refreshed by that. It reminds me that I'm new, and it helps me focus on what is instead of trying to wrestle with what's not even there anymore. The flesh is not the same as our nature, but because there's feelings that associate with it, we think that our flesh is who we are, when actually it's only something that is wrapped around us, but it's not who we are. Let me actually just read it because it sounds better. Bob Ham's better than me. All right, not really, but he talks better. Okay. All right. So when it's only something that is wrapped around who we are and who we are, is a new creation in Christ. There we go, much better said. All right, so that's, that's Bob, um, Bob Hamp's podcast, which is super cool. And I wanted to say that before I actually started the outline. I'm gonna start preaching now, guys. 
<laughs> okay, so because when I heard that a few weeks ago, I was blown away. I've never heard it like that before. And um, it really connected with me. Really, that goes along any topic. It really does, but especially with this because um, it's so important that we really truly believe who we are as a whole, as truth, and get rid of all the lies that our past experiences, our childhood experiences, our thoughts, our mindsets, um, what people have placed in us, not intentionally, but their imperfect nature um, comes out in not so good ways sometimes. And so as kids growing up, sometimes our parents can input things in us or our teachers or our experiences or whatever. And so it builds up um, lies and perspectives from like, this is our circumstance or our experience, but we're only seeing it from one angle. And lots of times it's not kingdom angle at all. So we really need to um, check with God like constantly. And he's all the time reminding me to just renew my thinking, renew every moment. Um, like, God, okay, is this how you think about this? Because it's probably not. I need to fix that. Jesus, <laughs> you know? So we really believe so many internal lies over the years, and we don't even think about it. We don't even subconsciously, we're not aware of it. So being aware that the nervous system, all it takes is a little bit of work with just, you know, praying and reading our Bible and things, stimulating that to get out of our old nature because we're not in it anymore, right? It's buried in the grave. It's gone. And living in who we are now. So, first thing I want to talk about who God is and believing it and understanding it, believing it as true with no doubt. All right? So, like I said, we can build up unhealthy ideas and things, but um, also living, I wrote this, and this just sounded interesting, so I'm going to say it because it sounded cool. Uh, living from our own mind, our own will, our own emotions that are damaged just causes more damage. So again, just being in check with Holy Spirit, God, renew me, show me your truth, whatever lies are in us. God, I just pray that you just don't be a gentleman about it. Just rip them out, God. We're not here to believe lies, God. We want to know the truth. We want to know your word. We want to know who we are. We want to know who you are, God. We don't want to doubt. We don't want to be like the world and have the world's belief systems, Father. But we want to know who you are and the truth, God. Everything you say in your word is truth. So any doubt we have, God, just kick it out the door, Father. We open ourselves up to you. We open our minds, our wills, emotions up to you. Our minds, God, you just brainwash us, Father brainwash us. I love that. It sounds so terrible, brainwashing, but really it's not. Not if it's Jesus. It's really cool. Um, okay, so God's been really pouring out to me in Ephesians. Um, so for the past several months, that's just pretty much all I've been reading, which is really cool. So if you have not just camped out in Ephesians, please do, because this is basically where he's been just overwhelming me for the past year. Um, and then uh, the past several months, like, really hard. But, so I want to talk a second about who God is, and if you think you already know, please stop, because <laughs> anytime we think we know, like, if I say, oh, John 3.16, for God to love the world, give no, okay, if we do that, there's already a problem, all right? Oof, that's another thing God just works on me so much, because, um, I think I already know, and then he's like, no, you don't, listen again. And so, you know, John three sixteen, for God loved the world that he gave his only son. When I think about it again, it's like all this messy, messy world and this perfect God, that he loves us more than the mess around us. His love is greater than that, that he's going to come anyways. So you can look at it from all types of different ways, and there's just, it's like an ocean that goes, like, you know, we can never get to the bottom of the ocean. It's cool. Like, we cannot scuba dive or sink or cameras or anything to get to the bottom. We've never seen the bottom of the ocean, ever. 
because the weight of it would crush us. And it's like when we get into the scripture, even if it's the same verse over and over and over again, it's like we can never see the end of that verse. There's new revelation every time, and in each season, it's like the same thing comes alive to you again in a different way. And he's so amazing and that he, he only gives us like a little bit at a time because the weight of his glory, if it was all at once, it would literally crush us. That sounds crazy, but it's just cool. Okay. Um, so the God in Ephesians, I'm just going to read. I went through and I just read out everything that he was in those scriptures. So he has kind intentions. He's full of grace. He's the Holy Spirit of promise. He's the giver, or he's given as a pledge of our inheritance. He's the Father of glory. He's powerful. He's rich in mercy. He's kind. He's a giver. He's our peace. He's our cornerstone. Gracious, our creator, wise. He loves beyond knowledge. He's able. God is able. He's a forgiver of sins. He's the son of God. He's the head of the body. He causes growth in the body. And growing pains are painful, but it's good. All right, that's just a, that's not even my whole outline of everything I sketched out, but God is amazing. (laughs) And bigger than all that, God is God. In the beginning, God was And this God chose to be our Father. This perfect God that created everything. He's the creative creator in great detail, great magnitude, that every fingerprint is different. I am completely different from every single one. I'm individually marked. Every snowflake does not have a match, ever. Ever. All the snowflakes that we see. All right? And then I think about um, being in this this little town, and this little state, and this little nation, and this little world, and this little Milky Way, and this little galaxy in this universe that goes on forever, I'm just a speck of dust. Smaller than a speck of dust. But he chose me to be a daughter, and for him to be the son, like that's his main focus. (laughs) So good joy unspeakable that won't go away. So this is God. And then our identity I want to touch on. Firstly, my identity is me. I am me. I am joy. I am a daughter, yes, but I'm me. I, I don't specify myself as you know, like my mom is, um, she's my daughter, yes, but she's joy. She's her. She's unique. She's different from my other kids. They're nothing alike, really. <laughs> but I am, I'm me. I'm unique. You are you. You are divinely set apart, completely different. Yeah, we have um, things that are similar, but yet we are so different and uniquely made. So I'm me, But now, number two, that I'm a a daughter. We're sons and daughters. Ephesians 1, verse uh, 4 and 5. I think they're sleeping back there. Oh, okay. There we go. All right. Um, Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. And the Message Bible says, long before he laid the earth's foundations, he had us in mind. He had settled on us as the focus of his love. And then a little later it says, what pleasure he took in planning this. So if you're a sourpuss and you go around all the time of, I love Jesus, and the service doesn't touch you, then um, let's just pour a bucket of anointing oil on you because there's something wrong. Um, 
<laughs> because Jesus is awesome. If he doesn't stir affection in you and he doesn't make you excited and there isn't this joy of the Lord that just rises up in you, then there is a problem, okay? So, um, <laughs> sorry, it's the truth. So, First uh, John 3, <coughs> see how great a love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called children of God and such we are. So bestowed is a word or gifted and trusted. So God, the Father, he had this great love that he gifted on us. A gift, we don't take it back. That we're called children of God. Okay, so I'm me. I'm a daughter. You're you. You're a son, a daughter. But we're also made in God's likeness. And when I was... Um, reading online, I, I thought it was really interesting that I was reading about um, children and um, being adopted from birth. So I thought it, I thought it was really cool, so I'm going to share it, and hopefully it fits in here. I think it does. Um, but if um, a child is uh, at birth adopted into another family, um, I was reading different studies and, and things, and um, even if they never have any contact with their biological parents, they still many, many times, if not always, resemble some type of their, um, their body, their body language, their body movements, their interests, their traits. <coughs> even their, um, lots of times they have the same problems. They, uh, like if, if they struggle with their parents struggle with being a compulsive liar or something like that. Lots of times it's um, in the, the son or daughter, too. So I thought it was really cool because we're created in God's likeness. So um, it's like, and I don't know if this will make sense or if it even, I don't know, but I'm going to go for it. It's like God created us first in his image. So we have his traits, we have his characteristics, his interests, things that he likes. But then the fall of man, the sin. So now it's like we're separate from him, and now we're born into this world. And it's like this world, because of sin, it's like our first father or whatever. Um, so it's like... Raising, like being raised up in a worldly home of all the experiences, all the things of my parents or whatever, and then me being born again into God. So I still have characteristics, even if I'm in the world, I still have characteristics, even if I'm, I'm twisted and I'm this crazy, I don't know, I won't say anything mean so I'll just like stealer or something I don't know like I just steal all the time okay um even if I'm crazy and I'm twisted in my mind I still have father's traits even if I'm not born again so but it's twisted so I'll crave relationship but it'll be twisted I'll crave love but it won't be godly I'll crave um connection I'll crave justice but it won't be um godly because it hasn't been washed again by the blood. So then when I'm, I'm raised in the world and I step back into my father over years and years of my um, nervous system being programmed by the world, right? Um, it's like, yes, I have traits from my father, but now I also have all these traits from the world and my, my flesh and being raised um, in that in that way. So I need to reprogram my mind that that is no longer there. I am a new me, and that is gone. It is completely gone. So again, just washing um, my mind clean, my like being completely transformed again into the actual nature of God and all of his traits just being completely just clean all over again, starting over. Does that make sense? Okay. All right, sometimes, like, I'm talking, and I don't hear myself, and I'm just rambling, and then I kind of catch me a little later, and I'm like, wait a minute, where have I been? So, okay, cool. All right. 
I'm boring people. Sarah's leaving. <laughs> okay. Just teasing. Okay. So, um, we're created in his image. Genesis uh, 1.27. I think I lied to you. I'm sorry. Um, I did put the message version down here, but it's okay. I'll read it. Um, so it says, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature so they can be responsible for the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the cattle, and yes, the earth itself. Um, and every animal that moves along the face of the earth. God created human beings. He created them God-like, reflecting God's nature. He created them male and female, and he blessed them. So he said like four times God created them. So I think he's pretty excited that he created us. And it's cool because it says he created them God-like. He created them reflecting God's nature. I don't know, but that's just really cool. And I love, I love saying it. I love reading it um, because it reminds me again that I am a new creature, that all this stuff is gone, and I'm in his likeness, and he created me anew, and I am God-like, like me, this little speck on this little um, town and state and Milky Way and all these different things. Um, he created me uniquely and he created me God-like, and I'm so imperfect, and I mess up all the time, and I say things that I shouldn't say, and I try my best to have nice body language, but sometimes I've been told that I can come off as snobby, and I really don't mean to, so if I have to you, it was not intentional, I guarantee you. Because um, sometimes I'm just in my own mind, or I'm thinking, or whatever, I'm thinking of two different things, and yeah, so. Yeah, I'm imperfect, but yet he created me God-like. And it's just really cool. So I'm me. I'm a daughter. I'm created in God's likeness. And like I said earlier, I'm created as his masterpiece, which is really cool. Um, Ephesians 2.10, the NLT version. Um, the definition of masterpiece it actually is an artist's best piece of work. Jeremiah's like, yeah, that's us. <laughs> so, um, okay, let's read it. So we, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. So he created us as a masterpiece, anew in Christ Jesus. A masterpiece. So what perfect God creates this, like, like we were saved for last. On the last day, he created man. So what perfect God created all these beautiful things, the gardens, the waterfalls, every flower, every leaf, every blade of grass, so different and unique and different um, fish of the sea. And do you know every year we discover like 3,000 more species of like each thing? You know there is over 3,000 species of wasps? Wasps. Yeah. It's cool. And every year, I would love to scuba dive because it's like we can go a little deeper and we discover a little more, but yet there's always new. We always discover more things. We'll never stop discovering, whether it's in the Word of God or even His creation, which just I love. So He created all of these beautiful things and He saved us for last. And then He just molded us up and whew, actually it was in the dirt, so He's just, you know, and then when I was talking about awesome and things, the word breathtaking came up and made me think that he thinks we're breathtaking because, and I was thinking about it, I'm like, really? Well, the thing is, he like took us from dirt and he breathed into that dirt. So it's like for a moment, he gave up his breath to make us. So we took his breath away. Isn't that cool? That's cool. Hey, like, God is so cool. And I'm just so in awe because he is so amazing and so perfect and, like, beyond our comprehension. 
and yet he's so in love with us. Like, when he gives me little pictures, sometimes he literally gives me these pictures of him being a giddy little kid over us. Like, I'm so excited, you're mine. He's, he's excited, excited. And if we can just remember that every day, that he's excited about us. He's not ashamed of, oh, she tripped up today. She messed that up. Those people at work won't want to hear about me now. No, he can fix it. Big deal. Yes, do your best or whatever, but be covered in his grace because it's there and you can't escape it no matter what you do. And he's just excited. The Bible says that he delights in us, that he pursues us. The Bible says multiple times that we are the apple of his eye. And I actually wrote that down, but it's not on here. But I looked up a little thing of that. It was really cool. That has been a few weeks, but let me think, because it was really interesting that the saying apple of the eye came from, um, it's the very center of your eye. And if anything else touches around it, it's not really that big of annoyance. But if something touches the apple of your eye, it's like mama bear comes out, something's in my eye, I have to get it out. Okay, and you freak out because something's in your eye. So it's, we are the apple of his eye and it's the most precious part of the body, the most sensitive part of the body. So we are the most sensitive part of father's heart. And that if anything comes around us and tries to touch us, it's like papa bear comes out like, don't you dare mess with my son, don't you dare mess with my daughter. We are the apple of his eye. I just thought that was really cool. So, um, Okay, so does everyone get where we're going? Are, are we on track? All right, so we talked about the nervous system and how we need to reprogram our mind to remind us that the old self is gone and there is something new there. And we need to reprogram that every day, okay? And we need to reprogram it to remind us the truth, not by our experiences, but who God truly is, who we truly are. And now I'm going to talk about prayer. Okay, I'm going to preach now. Just kidding. Um, so when we understand who we are at the core and who God is, it really rips off all those lies that we really struggle with, and it rips off a lot of hindrances. Um, Hebrews 12, I think it is, it says, set aside the sin that so easily hinders. And I, I honestly, I don't know, so Glenn can fix this if it's wrong, but I honestly think it's doubt because the Hebrews 11, um, it talks about the faith chapter. And then right after the faith chapter, then it says, let's set aside the sin that so easily hinders. So I, I think it's doubt. And so setting aside all the doubt that over time our experiences, um, how we read the word from our own perspective, that's a no-no, don't do that. Um, it lays aside all those hindrances so we can start seeing who we are and who God is. Now, with all that truth in line, we can pray for real. We can pray from authority. We can pray with ease, with confidence, with assurance. When I know who I am, I'm not like, Jesus, please. I know I've asked you like 80,000 times, but can you please do this? I don't have to do that because I know who I am. He put a ring on my finger and a robe on my back and says, I am a daughter. He gave me a signet ring, which means, which is really cool because only the king had a signet ring and whatever the king did, nothing can be removed from it. So he gave me that same ring that if I use it in him, not apart from him, but in him, then what I say, according to his will, will be done. So when I believe these truths, I can pray um, just with full confidence and assurance and boldness that Hebrews 4, 16 says that I can come boldly before the throne of grace and whatever I, I need, he'll give me. So I want to talk about for a second praying for people with their identity in mind. Um, I think that's a big thing that a lot of us struggle with is praying for other people when we're upset with them. Um, it can be really hard because we want to pray, Jesus, they really hurt me. You better fix that. Change their heart. I am very upset. When in reality, that's a silly prayer. And we need to be praying, God, when they said those things, they didn't know who they were when they said it. 
So, Father, show them who they are. Because Todd White says this, and I love it. It's really set me free from some stuff. Um, But he says, if somebody says something to you and it hurt you, you didn't know who you were when it came. And if someone said something that was wrong or hurtful, they didn't know who they were when they said it. Does that make sense? So if we know who we are as sons and as daughters living in the kingdom, ooh, water, yay. Um, so nice, thank you. When we know who we are, we're going to pray from a different perspective. We're going to pray from a perspective that's not hindered, that's not built up with all these lies. We're going to pray from kingdom looking down instead of us looking up, is this kingdom? We're going to know. We're going to know the will of God. And the Bible says, Jesus says that um, my sheep know my voice and they come to me. So if I pray for somebody, I need to be careful of how I'm praying for them and not praying my own will and my own thoughts of God serve them right, seek justice on them, but praying God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Show them who they are. Show them that they're sons. They don't even know it, God. Show, show them who they are. We need to be <coughs> constantly conscious that we're all sons and daughters and we're supposed to put others before ourselves, putting others um, like interests above our own. There's a verse, and I did not, a lot of the verses are just in my head. Um, but we're also not supposed to devalue ourselves either. And like I said a second ago, we need to have our, our, our idol as Jesus. Um, the only idol we should have is our, our role model, I guess I should say, is following his example for prayer. He prayed all the time for people, and he prayed, you know, all things, but he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're in there. In his most time of suffering and anguish, he didn't say, seek justice, Father, but he said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So living and praying from a life of, of Jesus' example and then also praying how he does now. Like Romans 8, which is really cool, another one of my favorite chapters. Um, it says that, you know, all creation groans for the sons and daughters. And it says, Holy Spirit groans for us. But then it says, Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and is interceding for us. Never ceasing. He's interceding. Isn't that cool? That God himself praise. How can we lose? We can't lose. Nothing can come against us. He's praying for us. Like, we've been canceled out by the enemy, and we're in the blood of Christ. What's been old is now made new, and all that is gone, and I am just completely made in God's likeness. Oh, so cool. So, just having Christ as our role model I want to end this with um, just the most important, I mean, it's all equally as important, I think. But I think all of us, in some time or another, we have or are struggling with consistency. How do we be consistent in our walk with Christ? How do we be consistent in prayer? And it's like we go for a few weeks and we're good. Like we pray every day and we even have some quiet time in the morning and it's awesome. But then it's like life starts to stir again and, you know, and then we're back over here and I'm so sorry, Jesus. I'm trying, you know. And so how, how do we be consistent? <coughs> I have really, really struggled with that a lot in the past several years. And firstly, it's just live in grace. Like, just be conscious that Holy Spirit will bring to your mind when he wants you to pray. Um, There are seasons of heavy prayer, and there are seasons of just going about your day and everything you do praying. Um, And so just don't be, like, beat down or condemned if someone says, you're not praying enough, because 
they're probably not praying enough in the right way. Um, but so the biggest thing, yes, be full of grace and know who your father is. Holy Spirit's going to help you. He's the helper. He's the comforter. Um, if life was supposed to be comfortable, he wouldn't be a comforter. So life is not supposed to be comfortable, people. Don't be comfortable. All right, because when we're out of our bubble, we grow, and that's where he wants us. So, um, all right, my number one and biggest tip uh, that I really give anybody about being consistent and just everything about life and about Jesus is my number one tip. Ready? Okay getting all your focus so you listen fall in love with Jesus every day every day when you wake up a smile hits your face no matter how horrible your week is or whatever or how sick you may feel that you just wake up God you're so amazing you're so good you're so holy you're so perfect in all you do and all you create and I'm just a little speck and remind yourself who you are and who he is. And just stir your affection for him. When we fall in love with Jesus every day, we don't have to try to stay consistent. We just are consistent. That's just how it's going to be. It's like when a, um, I'm still young, I'm almost a teenager a, a while back. Um, so I remember all those emotions. But it's like being a teenage girl falling in love with a boy, and you're so giddy. It's, that's all you think about. It consumes your mind. It consumes your whole day. When you're doing homework, you're writing little hearts, you know, and, and when you take a test, instead of the answer, you, you put, I heart, you know, like, oh, erase that, and that's just what it, it does. It can, when you fall in love with him, it should consume you, it should consume you where that's your main thought. Like, yeah, you can still function and do things, but that is your first go-to thing. In the morning, it is, I love you. You're amazing. And the more you fall in love with him, the more you read his word, the more you fall in love with him. The more you fall in love with him, you catch yourself thinking about him. You catch yourself talking about him to others, and you can't shut up. And I'm finally getting at that spot because I've I'm not a shy person, but I'm very to myself and um, inwardly, but God's really in the past couple years just been like pulling me and drawing me in love with him. And the more I am in love with him, like in, when I am actually being conscious of my love for him, then I'm excited and I'll meet people and I won't shut up about Jesus. And they're like, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, Jesus is right with me. And, and the more I fall in love with him, the more I talk about him, the more I talk with him. Um, when I catch myself drifting, I realize that, oh, I went a whole day and I didn't really talk about Jesus. I went a whole day, I didn't really talk to Jesus. But when I catch myself falling in love with him, it's like all day I catch myself, oh, I'm talking to Jesus. And so just being in love with him, it causes you to be consistent. All right? Um, being in love with him, it makes you do crazy things you wouldn't do for anybody else. So like for my husband, I am in love with my husband and only him, I would say, yeah, let's go to Indiana tomorrow, seven hour drive and eat Chinese food. Only him <laughs> will I do that because I am madly in love with him and I would never get in the car with somebody for seven hours just to eat food, ever. So <laughs> it just sounds crazy to me. And now that I have gone to Indiana to eat this Chinese food, it truly is the best Chinese food, I will tell you. So now I'm a little more apt to going, but um, I only will do it for him just because I love him that much. And just for Jesus, I should love him more than anybody else. That I do crazy things for him that I wouldn't want to do for anybody else. So when I'm in love with him and I'm being reminded every day that I am in love with him, it's fresh. It's exciting. It's not boring and, I love Jesus. You know, a little Eeyore. It is full Tigger Winnie the Pooh bouncing on his tail like, 
I love Jesus. I'm so excited. That's how it should be every day. Even if you can't jump, you can jump on the inside because he is so fun, so fun, and he's so good, and he's so amazing, and he's not boring. And at first, you know, when I first started at 18 and I truly gave my life to God, um, it was, I didn't know a lot of things. I still believed a lot of lies. I still believe a lot of lies that he's pulling me out, you know, and throwing them away. But, but slowly, he starts shifting me to a, away from this religious stuff and on to relationship of who he is, who I am. Fall in love with me. That's all I want. I want this relationship. This is all I want. And when I, when I fall in love with him, I catch myself constantly talking to him. I catch myself not talking to myself anymore or my imagination. Like, we all don't do that, right? That's just me. Um, it's true. And I, I notice when I'm in seasons that I need to um, renew myself because I catch myself um, talking to myself instead of him or talking to my imagination of like making up these scenarios instead of just talking with him as my best friend instead of myself. Like how much more fun would it be to talk with the one that created you that knows everything that's so full of life than talk to yourself that it's just kind of boring. So talk to him instead. So when you fall in love with him, you talk to him constantly. When you love him, you want his will over your own. When you love somebody, you want their best interest, which is hard sometimes, but it's good. All right, a few more things. When I continually fall in love with Jesus, I talk to him all the time, not myself. I notice that I have more compassion for others that is not my compassion, if you know what I mean, that when I'm in myself, I'm thinking, oh, uh, I just don't pray for people with this compassion, you know what I mean? But it's like when I'm so in love and just so consumed by him, I have this compassion on people that I know is not me. And I love people, but not like he loves people. So he's helping me. Um, when I fall in love with him, I don't get bored of the same old scriptures or the same old message of the cross. When I fall in love with him, it just causes it to stir a thankfulness inside of me. It causes me to just be excited and to dance like a madwoman and be happy. Um, when I fall in love with him, life doesn't get boring every day. Life actually just, the day-to-day -day life is just exciting. It really is, even in the moments and I just catch myself taking a step back and smiling like, I don't know how this is so fun or how I'm so happy, but this is awesome, you know? So when we catch ourselves drifting from these, that's where we need to bring ourselves back. God, help me fall in love with you all over again, and every day help me fall in love with you. Does that make sense? You guys good? So... And ending, I just want to say, fall in love with Jesus every day, every day. When you wake up, when you go about your day, when you sleep at night, when you go to bed, that, let that be your first and last thought. Let it be the sandwich between any other thought. So before you think about something else, think about him first and his perspective on it. Then think about your thing with him in mind then sandwich it again with him. And if you do that, you'll have his perspective on it instead of your own. Fall in love with him. Know him. Love him. Know yourself. Love yourself. Know the truth about others, that we're all sons and daughters in the kingdom, even if we don't know it yet. And have compassion for them with a godly compassion, not our own and live a life of prayer that's unhindered by our past experiences. Live a life of prayer that's not hindered by your past experience. Live a life of prayer that's not hindered by your past experience. but reprogram your nervous system.
because it can lie to you. You good? Can I pray? Father, I thank you so much for all of these people, all these hearts, God. They are so fearfully and wonderfully made, God. You just crafted them so perfectly in their image, God. They're so amazing. They're so beautiful, divinely set apart for a purpose and a plan that only they personally can fulfill. God, I pray that you just open up our hearts and let all this that's you just sink in, that we begin to um, understand who you are in the depths and who we are in the depths and the truth. God, I pray that you just stir in us a joy unspeakable that will never go away, God, that we'll catch ourselves constantly being excited and slap happy and laughing because nobody wants to serve a God with its people that can't laugh. So God, help us to just have joy in your presence and be able to just be alone with you and to laugh with you and have fun and understand your word, God. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that you guide us into all truth, Father, and that you constantly pursue our hearts. You constantly pursue our hearts and you never leave us. You never, ever take your hand from us, God, no matter what we go through. Father, I thank you that even in our own minds that are a big mess, you just constantly are pursuing it and there to break down the lies that we've believed, God. Thank you, Father. Just let this resonate with us and um, just be heavy on our hearts just for all of our days, God, that you just start bringing this um, truth into us, that we start living from your perspective, your kingdom, and just to fall in love with you and be consistent with loving you and praying, Father, in Jesus' name. platter of how to get in perspective in prayer. You, that will be available online where you can go back through it and take a look at some of it when you have time. I'm going to have to take a look at some of it. Joy was kind enough not to say, say this, but one of the things that has triggered her studying this even more was one of my comments where I said, I can see God's delight in Joy and in Leroy's, but I have a hard time seeing it in me. And she thought that was sad. <laughs> she was nice enough this morning not to say so. John came up this morning and was talking to me about something he was seeing. And this, this thing was echoing in my mind as Joy was preaching. That he just felt like a lot of people try to know God separate from their faith. You know, they're, they're trying to build faith and know God separate from themselves. But the only way you can really know him is in your faith when you understand who you are and you begin to work together with him in his presence. And that's what this is all about. You know, that you that you think is so horrible can never commune with God. But that new you that he's recreated inside of you can commune with God. So I'm not going to re-preach the message that was done effectively, but just take this and work with it and let it become a part of you. Next Saturday at 1 o'clock, Chelsea already mentioned this, but uh, memorial service here for Jim Booth. If you knew Jim and you want to pay your respects, uh, that's what it'll be. He, there will not be a body here. It'll just be people gathering to pay their respects to Jim and to honor Judy as a part of our house. So if you can, fine. If you, if you don't, that's fine too. I'm just letting you know. Father, thank you. God, it's such a delight to me to see the younger ones developing and to see that they have a real heart for you, God. And Lord, they express themselves in their way and that's delightful too. I just thank you for your house, for your family, for those that you love. Thank you for letting me be a part. We love you, Father. We love you. Go. Thank you for coming. Be blessed. <clears throat>